Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music teachers. You're listening to a bonus episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and today we're talking about social distancing in piano studios. Hey there, beautiful teachers. I want to start off out with a message today that might come across as a little bit cheesy, but I think we could all use a bit of cheese right now. I want to tell you that you're doing great. This is something that a Pilates instructor that I follow, or Pilates fusion, I should say, instructor that I follow on YouTube because obviously Pilates classes haven't been happening lately and I've missed them. So I've been looking them up on YouTube and following them there with an instructor called Kit Rich. And the way she says this always gets to me. Yes, it sounds cheesy, but it also sounds genuine when she says it. And I hope that you hear me sounding genuine too, because I truly think it. No matter whether you're teaching online right now, you're taking a break, have taken a break since last March because you just couldn't handle it. Whatever you're doing right now, you're doing great already. You really are. Today's episode is my attempt to help you puzzle through some of the stuff that's about to happen in September. Now we're starting a series next week which will help you with that further about leveling up your online teaching and I think that's going to be really useful for you. So the next episode The first episode of that comes out, sorry, not quite next week as we publish this, it's going to be on the 31st of August. So it's going to be a deep dive into online teaching and lots of suggestions for up-leveling your online teaching game if you're in that for the long haul. This episode, however, is a little bit of a bonus or in-between-isode, as one uh, podcaster that I follow calls it. I wanted to bring this to you because we published a post recently on the site, on the blog, Colourful Keys, with five suggestions for safe and socially distant piano studios. So, as I said in this post, I was quite nervous about publishing it, but it has proven to be very popular with teachers. I've had very little unhelpful feedback (laughs) and mostly very positive feedback from people that understand that there is no good answer right now, there's no definite answer for everyone, but putting out my thought process and some considerations that I think we should be 
should be contemplating as teachers just possibilities that I think are practical things we really could do as private music teachers. So I put out that post just to say, listen, this is what I'm thinking. Here's five things for these three different situations. And I wanted to bring these ideas to you here on the podcast so that I can bring it to you if you don't read the blog, if you're not a reader, if you're a listener, this is your version of that information, but also to give you a bit more discussion around it and some side notes and ramblings perhaps around what was included in that post. So I started out with what I called a bonus non-negotiable, and that is that we communicate clearly. So whatever you're going to be doing, whether you're closing your studio for the year or going all online because you just can't handle the uncertainty or taking any measure of steps, communicate it clearly with your parents. Clear and effective communication is key right now. It is so, so important. We've all seen this in our own lives, right? Those businesses who reach out to you and say, listen, this is what we're doing, X, Y, Z. This is where we are right now. Sure, it's subject to change, but we wanted to fill you in on where we are. We appreciate that, don't we? We appreciate being told, this is what we're doing. And we don't appreciate, we are so overwhelmed with the amount of businesses and institutions who are not giving us the clear details of what they're planning. And it's because they don't have a plan yet in a lot of cases, but it's tough on the receiving end of it, isn't it? So we don't want to be that type of business. We want to be as clear as we possibly can. And some of this is just about making calls. Yes, we can follow what schools are doing. We can try to be in line with government guidelines, but where it doesn't exist, where there isn't any clarity, we're going to have to make a call on certain things and just say, This is what I think I'm going to do, right? Basically, that's what we're saying at any stage right now. This is my plan as it stands. With my best information, as we used to say, your best estimate, your best guess in school, right? It's my best guess right now. And you don't have to say it that way to parents, but that is the way, that is essentially what you're communicating to them. But no matter what it is, what the details are, Make sure it's clear and that you communicate it in concise language. Don't send some rambling email. Send bullet points. Say, I'm doing this and that and that. And this is the result of that. Be as clear and straightforward as you possibly can because our heads are all buzzing right now. That's your non-negotiable. Then I want to take you through five different suggestions for three different situations. So the first suggestion area is for those studios that are staying online. So if you've decided that for September you're going to stay online, or perhaps several teachers have told me that, now I've just said to families, this whole year I'm staying online. 2020 to 2021 is going to be online no matter what the schools do, and then we'll revisit it. And sure, they can change their mind in the middle of the year. They can give people an in-person option for those that want it in the middle of the year if things calm down. But by just defaulting to online, I think that's really smart, especially if you're in a high-risk area, and especially if you just need that certainty right now. So if that's where you're at, I've got a few suggestions for you. 
First of all, you might consider investing in some technology, some tools, some gadgets. If you're going to be staying online for the short or medium term or long term, and you've already been online for a little while, you've probably been feeling the lack of something or other. So we're going to go through this in more detail in that upcoming series I mentioned, but that would be my first consideration for you. The next idea would be to try and automate some things that are currently taking you some time. So if you're sending out assignment sheets using a very manual process or anything else that you're doing manually week by week, student by student, consider where you could automate that and make your life a little bit easier. The third suggestion is to incorporate some screen breaks. Many teachers have told me they've done this already. If you don't generally have teaching breaks or if you're finding that they're not frequent enough in your online environment, even though they were fine in your in-person lessons, then you might need to put some extra breaks in there. Yes, you're going to cut into your bottom line or you're going to expand your schedule by doing this, but it might be worth it. Suggestion number four, again, something we have in our upcoming series, is to grab some games. Go grab some games. If you're a VMT member, go into the library. We now have a option in the menu where you can select the ones that work on the screen. So you can absolutely still be using games. You can still be having fun with your students. You don't have to be deprived of games in your online lessons. And the fifth suggestion is to get excited. Find something about online lessons that is fun, that brings you joy. You want to feel like you're doing great. It doesn't have to be all miserable, all complaints about Zoom fatigue and all just doom and gloom. It does not have to be that. It can be fun. You can find, while acknowledging the limitations, you can find the things that are fantastic about teaching online. So I ran through that section quickly and that's because we have that upcoming series. So if you are staying online partially or fully for the autumn, for the winter, for the whole year, then we have you covered in that upcoming series. Absolutely, 100%. The next option that you might be going for is resuming in studio lessons. I didn't think I was going to be in this camp. I'll be honest with you. I thought at the start of this summer, I thought there's going to be a lot of chatter all summer about schools reopening and then they're not actually going to do it. (laughs) That's my honest truth. That's what I thought was going to happen. So I am not a future predictor. There's no one that can really predict the future, especially right now. And I was wrong. Our schools are reopening. They are determined to go ahead. Even up until the last minute of that announcement, though, I thought they were going to change their minds. I thought they were just trying to give people hope, (laughs) to be honest and that they were going to get down to the wire and then say, yeah, no, not actually, it's not feasible. But they've decided to do it. They came out with guidelines here in Ireland to say, this is how we're opening schools. There's a lot of fuzzy edges around those guidelines, and we won't talk about that or debate it. I know a lot of school teachers will be pulling their hair out right now as as I record this, and there may be some overlap here with the podcast listeners. So that's you. I don't imagine that it's easy to deal with those guidelines. But what they did mean was that 
I had clear guidance around what schools we were doing, or at least some guidance around what schools were doing and what the government said they should do. And from my perspective anyway, I didn't think it made sense to stay online if schools were going to be doing that. Considerations here for me were the minimal measures that are being put in place for the young students and the fact that I teach mostly young students. So I teach primarily primary school children. I have teens, I have adults, but the bulk of my studio is still in primary school. And so with that in mind and with the measures they're putting in place in primary schools not being anywhere close to what I can achieve in a studio environment, in other words, that they were so much riskier in terms of COVID than what I can do, what I had been thinking about if I went back to in-person lessons, what I could do in my studio, I thought, okay, there's no real sense in me staying online as a person with low risk myself. That's another factor here that you want to consider as a teacher that parents are going to be not pushing me. I'm sure if I came to them and said, no, it's still too risky for me, they would respect that. But the parents who do want to go back to in-person, I didn't have a lot of reasons that I could come up with for myself why I shouldn't do that. That is a personal decision. It's based on your community, where you're at, and yourself. And you need to bear in mind also, if you're listening internationally, that we have been managing the pandemic pretty pretty well the last few days not so much but in general pretty well in Ireland and without getting cocky about it we do have a pretty tight control over it and it's not escalating too badly still at the moment although there's a lot of talk right now about it being a turning point so we'll see so with all that in mind I am going to open up for in-studio lessons I want to give you five suggestions if you're in the same boat as me Okay, so suggestion one is to follow the schools closely. That's what I've just been talking about. That's what I did. Now, this depends on where you are because in some areas, the government doesn't issue specific guidance that goes out to all schools. It can be a lot more varied from district to district. And I know that that's frustrating and difficult to deal with. And I know that for teachers in the US who are on a state line or a county line, even that can be problematic. So, For me, though, that's the first step. And if you do have guidance, if there is public guidance available to schools, take a look at that, see what they're doing and what's in place for them. Suggestion two is separate instruments. So this is one of the things that I'm doing. I mean, actually, I was doing this already in a way. So I already have two pianos in my studio. I'm very lucky to have that or piano and a digital. While I was teaching online, I moved my digital out to my office space because I have a separate office where I do all the internet stuff in my garden. It's like a, that's where I am right now. So it's like a a separate room out of my garden. So I moved the keyboard out here, the digital piano out here so that I could teach from here. And that worked out really well because it's separate from the house and means my husband can go about his business and not be stirred by all my online nonsense, right? So I did that. Now it's going back into the house because I'm going to be teaching in the house again and I need two instruments. I actually need three. I'll talk you through why I think that in case it's useful for you. But I think most of us need at least two 
I think it's going to be very tough to teach on one instrument. Because sitting beside a student in most areas is not advisable. Okay, so sitting right beside a student on the same bench, again, in most places, is not going to be recommended. I'm planning to never do that. I'm planning to only play at a separate instrument. So if you don't currently have a second instrument in your studio, think about picking one up. And if your budget is tight, I get that, but think about picking up a super cheap crapo keyboard for yourself. I don't recommend students have one of these at home. I don't recommend teachers teach on one for sure. But here's the thing, it's going to be just for you demonstrating. And if you're on a tight budget, you can fake it. You can show most techniques and you can show a lot of what you need to show as a teacher by just pretending there's weight in the keys. (laughs) So if that's where you're at, I think that's a great backup option. I think it definitely would be better than nothing, even if it's not full length, even if it doesn't have weighted keys, even if it doesn't have touch sensitivity. You could still demonstrate quite a lot of what you need to do on that. And everyone will be understanding right now. So don't be embarrassed about having a steady keyboard. You can even make fun of it with your students. But I really think we need a separate instrument. And I think we need it to be, if possible, distant from our students. Now, mine won't be. They do need to be side by side. But let me explain to you why I need three. Need is a strong word, but why I wanted three. So I already have two, but I do have some situations where I have three students, up to three students in the studio at the same time, generally from the same family or in one case, neighbors who will see each other all the time anyway. So I'm not increasing the risk of spread and they go to school together. So if I have three students plus myself in my studio, we could still keep the majority of the time two meters apart, all four of us, because my living room that I teach in is fairly big. But here's what I was imagining. I have two instruments. If I need to occupy two more students, yes, I could set them written work, but it would be much more effective to have one at a keyboard with headphones. Normally, the way I would do that is I would have one at the digital piano with headphones, and then whenever I needed to demonstrate something, I would just share the regular piano, right, with my students but I don't want to ever be in the position of having to get them to get up and down because I have to clean the piano every time I do that. So that's what I'm avoiding here. So I've decided that I would benefit from an extra instrument. The other consideration here for me, not to talk too much about my situation, but I hope it's helpful for you in puzzling through yours, even though we're all different. The other consideration that I had was that we are currently, yes, we are this mad. We are currently building an extension on our house. And when the extension is done, it will mean that I'm teaching in a different room upstairs in our house. Okay, so I was already about to buy a decent digital piano in a few months. Well, a couple of instruments for this upstairs room because I can't bring the acoustic piano up the stairs. It's very narrow. We live in a tiny little pokey house in Dublin and the extension does not extend to the stairs. So the acoustic piano, it's not going to go upstairs. So I was always going to buy a pretty decent digital for upstairs. And so I'm really just moving that purchase up a few months. 
So that is why I decided to to spring for a third piano because it's going to make that teaching environment that much better and because I still need it anyway. So it's not going to waste even if everything changes and I end up going back fully online for the whole year. It's not a waste for me. A piano is never a waste, is it? <laughs> okay, so that's what I'm doing in terms of instruments. And I would suggest that even if you're not going to invest in a nice digital piano, that you invest in a cheapo one that can mean that you can demonstrate without constantly switching back and forth with your student or sitting beside them on the bench. My next suggestion for an in-person studio, the socially distant in-person studio, is a bit of room restructuring. So I'm going to be doing this by moving my teaching table to the other side of the second piano. So you can picture this, difficult in audio, but if you can picture this, I'll have a piano, and then beside that, a digital piano, my new one. And then the other side of that, my little teaching desk, my teaching station. So the majority of the time, when I'm not demonstrating, I'll sit at that teaching desk, which is going to be two meters away from my student. When I sit down at the piano to demonstrate, I'll only be about a meter. But again, that's not, that's still a lot more control than the current school guidelines in Ireland. So that is allowed. And reasonably sensible. <laughs> okay, so that's the way I've set it up. Now, the reason I would encourage you to consider restructuring your room is not just so that you can be more socially distant, although that is important. I would ask you to consider moving your furniture because I think it'll help you change a habit. So it would be very easy. Let's say you have a chair beside your student at the piano and you have a chair on the other side of the room that's normally for parents and they're not going to be sitting in on lessons anymore. So you could use that chair. You're going to keep accidentally sitting in your teaching chair. <laughs> at least I would. Because it's a habit and it's so hard to break these habits that we've been following for so long. So I would suggest just moving things around almost to force yourself into a new habit or just to encourage that new habit so that the old one isn't there. So that's the suggestion. The third suggestion for you, if you're teaching in person, just a bit of room restructuring to encourage yourself to sit somewhere different, to stand somewhere different. You could tell yourself again that you're going to stand the whole time. But if you normally sit, you're probably not going to, right? It's going to take a lot to force yourself to do that. So just move some furniture around. Suggestion number four is to put away the stuff. This is a big one for me because I have all my little eraser collections. I have tons of pencils and crayons and toys and gadgets and widgets and flippity gigs. I'm going to put it all away as much of it as I possibly can and then the other stuff will sit with me at my little teaching station which is now more distant from my student. I don't like putting away all my stuff, I like all my colourful bits and pieces but it's going to be so difficult for me to tell myself not to give it to students, pick it up, move it around and it's also for little kids, you know they do this when they're at my studio and their parent is late picking them up or they're just you know, distracted for a second, they'll pick stuff up and move it around. And I don't want to be in a position of constantly going, no, 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 not that. No, no, no. Remember, you can't touch anything. Because then it feels, it just feels horrible to me to be doing that to kiddos. So I'm not going to have the stuff out in the first place. I'm going to minimize all of the clutter. 
and I'm hoping to create an extra spot, an extra little table for them to put their bag on so that they have a clear spot to place it as well. So that our stuff stays separate. The other thing I'm doing in terms of equipment and things is I'm going to be putting, giving each student who doesn't have one already a pouch. So I have a practice kit that I give out to some students and that's detailed on the blog if you're curious about it. But I'm going to be adding a few things to that for some students and I'm going to be giving students who don't have one a practice pouch and they'll have to bring that with them to all lessons in their piano bag with their books and stuff so that we're not sharing any of the stuff. If you're curious about that, some of the extra things I'm going to be putting in, it already has like pencils and little post-it notes and a few other things, dice, playing cards, but I'm going to be adding in some coloured pencils, just a few colours for when they need to mark stuff up on their music, and what was the other really important thing? Oh, stickers. I'm going to get each student to pick out a set of stickers, or I'll randomly give them one, basically, and then they'll keep that in their practice page until we're finished with them, right? So that they can still put their stickers on their music. So little things like that are the things I'm trying to put in place right now to mean that we don't have to share any stuff, but we can still use some fun bits and pieces. Last suggestion for in-studio lessons is your ins and outs, <laughs> is what we call this section. So. First of all, when students arrive, this is how it's going to work in my studio. Students, I say, I say that with such confidence, don't I? This is how it will work. I don't know if it'll stay this way. It might change within one week. There's no way of knowing. But for now, this is my plan and this is what I've told parents is the plan. So they're going to arrive and immediately wash their hands. Something I haven't told parents, but I'm thinking about and brainstorming is to have a different track every week or just a few on rotation that are the right length of time for hand washing. So this is particularly for when students are coming a few together, like a few siblings together, just to have a track that plays that is the right length of time for washing your hands thoroughly as a a fun little way to do something, listen to some music while everyone gets their hands washed. Then they're going to, you know, have their lesson and then Five minutes before the end of the lesson, I'm going to start cleaning the studio while they're still there. So I'm going to have my student move to their little station where their stuff is and have a task to do there. I'm thinking it'll just be to write some notes about their practice. It might be a couple of minutes of theory. I haven't really decided, but probably some type of writing or coloring work just for a couple of minutes that is beneficial and useful and helps them summarize the lesson to themselves, and I can still talk them through it, right? But I can be cleaning the studio while they do that. So the way my studio is, that station where I'm hoping they'll put their bag and their stuff, that's in a corner of the room, so it's quite easy for me to clean the rest of the room while they're doing that. And then they'll leave three minutes early. I've told parents that, that all students will leave three minutes early, so they need to be ready to pick them up at that time. And I'll continue cleaning for those three minutes and then the next student will arrive. I know there are teachers leaving a big gap between students. It's just not feasible in terms of timetabling. It's just not going to happen to have 15 minutes of cleaning time. And I'm pretty efficient. I can do it in this time in terms of the cleaning I have to be able to do. Like I said, I'm starting it while the student is still there because that is possible in terms of the 
you know, moving my way through the room. So that's the ins and outs. The other thing to do with that is when students do arrive, I've warned parents that they cannot come in even one second before their actual lesson time. So the previous student is leaving three minutes early. No student can arrive even a minute early. And parents need to take that seriously. So if they are early, they're going to have to wait in the car. But while you're listening to me describing all of this and, you know, a little bit of the burden there is on parents, know that they all have the option of staying online. And I've made that very clear to them. This is the way we're running lessons. This is what I've decided on. You can opt in or out of this. You can stick with online lessons. We all know it works. It's still going to be great. And I am happy. I've told them that even if I have a buddy student, so one student in the studio and one online, I have a way to make that work. Okay, so I'm setting up my studio so that I can be ultra flexible with this stuff. Now, moving to our last section, at-home lessons. If you are resuming going to students' homes, what can you do? This is another thing that we are doing, because I may not travel to students' homes anymore, but that is what the other teachers who work at Colorful Keys do. So again, parents will have the option either or. And, you know, I want to make that very clear because this is their home, right? And we're bringing risk into their home. And I want them to be clear that it is always going to be a risk. But here are some of the things we can consider doing if we're going to teach at home and parents want us to do so. First is to wear a face covering. You may have noticed that I didn't mention a face covering in the previous section. You may wish to consider that in the studio. I'm not because the studio lessons are more back-to-back, -back, so it's a bigger length of time that I would be wearing it, so that's a consideration. But the main thing is that here, schools are not using face coverings, primary schools. And again, I'm basing a lot of what I'm doing around primary schools. They're not wearing face covering. They're only putting on a face mask if there is a suspected case of COVID and they're dealing with, with that child. So with that in mind, Kids here are not going to be super used to face coverings, and I think it's going to be more beneficial in my case to go for distancing, and I've described that distancing to you. Most of the time it's two meters. That's the six feet for those of you in the US. So that's the way I'm going. If you want to wear a face covering, or if you think you should in person, absolutely err on the side of caution for sure. But I think for at-home lessons, I really think we need one, no matter what schools are doing, no matter what the situation for pretty much most of us, because you just have so little control over that environment. It makes me, I'm getting kind of nervous talking about this, but getting nervous for two reasons. Thinking about the lack of control over that environment, and also thinking about how definite I sounded on that advice. I don't want to sound too definite on any of this advice because it's all so subject to your situation. But I'm going to make a strong suggestion that you wear a face covering in students' homes because you just, the room could be tiny, it could be giant, but it could be micro that you're teaching in. And as well as that, you have no control over the fact that your student's little toddler might just toddle into the room and jump on you. You know, you really can't control that environment the way you can a studio. So if 
you're going to be returning to at-home lessons, maybe a face covering. Hand washing is a, a almost definite as well, that every time you arrive at the student's home, you want to make sure you wash your hands. Now, them washing their hands is not as relevant because they're already at home. So they've already touched everything, it's already contaminated, and you're not going to touch them, right? So you washing your hands on arrival, I think it's a great start to the lesson. Then, if possible, open a window. I am not a virologist, I am not qualified in any way, but from the studies, and I do follow the science as closely as I can, from the studies, it does seem like airflow is pretty important. And so if the room has a window in it and it is not zero degrees outside, open the window. If the room doesn't have a window, maybe you can leave the door open. It depends on the situation. That's going to vary a lot house by house, but if the option is there, I would open that window if I were you. Fourth suggestion is maybe to use thermometers, so you can get those contactless thermometers. Maybe you start to implement that for checking yourself every day and for checking the student when you arrive to check for symptoms. And my fifth suggestion for at-home lessons is to be prepared to leave and warn parents that that might happen. If you see that the child you're teaching, the adult you're teaching, has symptoms and they haven't disclosed that to you, if they're coughing excessively, if they seem to have a fever, if you check their temperature and it is high, any extra risk, anything you think might be a symptom, just leave, just get out of there. So just tell them, listen, this is the deal, could have, you know, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to leave it for today. I'll send you a video later, whatever your backup plan is. And with that in mind and communicating that to parents clearly is going to make it more likely that they report those symptoms to you so that you can not go there and teach them online instead, because that's going to be safer for everyone. So those are my, my suggestions for you. I hope this was useful. I hope my ramblings through my own situation and a bit of the detail of some of the precautions I'm taking myself as well as suggestions that might work for you is going to be helpful as you puzzle through this situation. It's a moving target and it's very tough, but we have to make decisions at some point so that we can move forward, so that life can resume, so that children can keep learning music, right? So I hope this was helpful for you. And I want to leave you by saying one more time, you are doing great. Because I truly believe it. I really do. You're doing great. You got this. I'm here to help you. And we're going to get through this together. We'll be back to the regular schedule next week, of course, after this bonus little in-between episode. So until then, have a great week. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.